You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, lovelies. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. Today, Riley and I are sitting down with Aries, a sex worker of six plus years who started stripping almost four years ago. They have also worked with grassroots and political organizations throughout this time, practiced their stripper smile while working a 9-to-5 barista job, and been inching closer and closer to a bachelor's degree along the way. After trying out various fields of studies, from visual arts to political science to religion, they discovered they could translate being super gay and in love with women, and never shutting up about it, into a degree and landed in women and gender studies. This has allowed them to do research around sex work, sex workers, race, gender, class, media, communication, justice, religion, and violence against marginalized groups. Aries is currently a semester away from graduation, stripping in Philly, and making spicy content. They're also blowing up on TikTok where they share sex work and stripping and spiritual related content with their over 55,000 followers. This episode, we chat to Aries about their experience dancing in Philly, being a sex worker in academia, people's misconceptions regarding the dangers of the sex industry, tips for staying safe as a sex worker, gatekeeping information within the sex work community, female patrons being absolutely terrible in the strip clubs, the crossover of spirituality, psychology, and other methods of healing with regards to sex work, and a ton more. As always, you guys are going to love this episode, and you guys are going to love Aries. They were an absolute pleasure to talk to. And you guys are really going to enjoy this. So here you go. Thank you so much for joining us, Aries. We are super excited to have you. Let's get the general how and why out of the way first. So you started sex work approximately six years ago. How did you get into it and what avenues were you working in? Um, so it's it's interesting because I feel like I didn't really start um, – I don't know, the conventional way. Like it wasn't like I was – seeking out sex work um I kind of started on tumblr and it started basically just like posting nudes and things like that for free (laughs) and then I um ended up meeting some people who are sort of in the like kink community that way um and I met my first sugar daddy (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and he started, like, buying content from me, and that kind of progressed into me then, like, meeting people in person and things like that. So um, so that's sort of the way that I got into it. Did that cover everything? I believe so. I mean, I you say that it's not really the conventional way, but I feel like the more we talk to people in the community, the more a lot of us sort of just fell into sex work. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think, I guess I sort of, when I say conventional, I guess I'm sort of more talking about now, like people have so many more resources. And so like, for example, they might see a TikTok or see posts on Instagram or something like that, and then make the decision like, oh, I want to pursue this or I want to get into this. And, um, And so, I don't know, you have so many people like coming into the strip club now who are like, oh, I saw a TikTok. (laughs) And and I don't know, it's wild to me because I feel like the people who have been in the industry for a long time are like, no, that was not the way that it worked for me at all, you know, and more what you're kind of saying that, um, that they just sort of happened into it. Yeah. Sex work found us. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Absolutely. 
So what ev- uh, avenues of sex work are you currently working in? Or have um, you worked or, in? Or have you worked in? You said sugar babying, dancing, anything else? Um, so other forms of full service um, that I wouldn't necessarily like say it, it wasn't sugar babying. It was, you know, more along the lines of like, I guess, escorting. Um, and I make content. Um, so, um, OnlyFans content and things like that. And before OnlyFans and like all of these platforms started to pop up, it was like Snapchat, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but I think that that's sort of the way of it. And, and now I mostly stick to just stripping and content, online content. Yeah. So as we said in the intro, uh, you started dancing a few years after starting sex work. What made you decide to switch into stripping? Well, so I, um, when I first started doing sex work, I was still living in my hometown. Um, and I was kind of, I was trying to balance like other kinds of work at the same time. And I still was like, not really sure that I wanted to be as face forward, I guess, in sex work, if that makes sense. Like, and I knew that if I, if I started stripping, um, in my hometown, then people would immediately know about it. And that would sort of interfere with other things that I was trying to do. Or so I thought, you know what I mean? Um, I didn't really know at that point how everything was going to work. Um, so then when I moved out of my hometown, I was like, okay, I, I don't have any of my old clients here. Like I don't have a way to meet people, um, or a stream of income. And I don't know, stripping just seemed like it was kind of, um, it just seemed to make sense to me. And I knew people who stripped. I had friends who, you know, were stripping and they had kind of talked to me about it and were like, I, I think you should do it. Like, it doesn't make sense to not at this point. You're, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like your hole is already on the internet. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's like, you might as well, you know. And I was kind of in the same mindset too. At that point, I was like, there's no reason for me not to. So um so yeah so I I met up with a friend and we went to like the first club that I ever auditioned at and um that sort of is like where I started with the have have you always danced in Philly or is Philly sort of new to you Phil I moved up to Philly almost well like a year and a half ago mm-hmm. um maybe more um, so no, I started, I started dancing in North Carolina, um, and kind of like before I left in the, you know, year and a half or two years that I was dancing there, I had danced like all across the state, like from the beach all the way to the mountains, so the coast over to the mountains, like far Western, um, North Carolina. So, um, I was like, there's nowhere else for me to dance here anymore. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. What's been the major differences between dancing in North Carolina and Philly? What do you, and what do you like better? 
So North Carolina is more in like the Bible Belt sort of. Um, so very there there are certain laws in certain parts of North Carolina that definitely don't exist up here. Like, um, for example, all across North Carolina, you have to have a legal thong, um, which is like, you know, it has to be an inch or something like that across like a T bar or something like that. So mm. certain rules, um, none of the clubs are full nude there. Um, um, and I think just the club culture is a lot different. Um, especially like there aren't big cities per se in North Carolina. Like there's Charlotte and like Raleigh, but that's not anything compared to Philly. So, um, so, you know, you might be in some of those bigger areas, but you're still not pulling in city money. Um, and a lot of the time you're dealing with like, just, it's almost like you can get down to like, people's personalities are very different down there than they are up here. Like you, I, I saw this saying one time that was like um people in the south are nice but they're not kind and people in the north are kind but they're not nice and I feel like that definitely applies between the two and especially in the club you get you get a lot more people up here who are very straightforward and if they don't want to do a dance or whatever they're most of the time not going to like waste your time um and um, whereas, like, down there, you'll get, like, passive aggressiveness and, like, just weird, um, <laughs> I don't know, just, like, it's just weird, weird behavior down there. I don't even really know how to, to describe it. So I definitely prefer it up here. I've done a lot better up here with just the way that people um, communicate and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and and also the girls up here that I've experienced are so much nicer than like the the girls down there. <laughs> um, I and and I don't know how much of that is just because I was newer down there and now I have a little bit more experience under my belt and um, people can like tell and like maybe respect that more. I don't know, um, but yeah, I would definitely say I prefer it up here. Do you find, do you club hot quite a bit when you're in Philly? Do you have like a few clubs that you go to or have you kind of found home base? I think I have more of a home base up here, which has also helped my, my money a lot. Um, because before when I was in North Carolina, I was like hopping all around all the time. Like I said, like I, I danced all across the state. So it's hard to like build up regulars that way when you're, mm-hmm. you're not staying in one place. Um, so Yeah definitely have like my my one club here that I really love and I've like seen others I've like been to others but I haven't stayed or <laughs> you know really yeah. once you find that roots at all sorry go yeah ahead. once you find what works for you it, it's difficult to leave for sure yeah you get comfortable which I'm not necessarily sure I'm like happy with that but because it, it hasn't been negative for my money I'm like it's okay 
<laughs> yeah, I think it works both ways. Like being new at a club and being like the new girl and you also have like a breath of fresh air about you. You don't hate all the management yet and the other girls yet like, and the regulars yet um, mm-hmm. can be a pro and it also can be a pro being like a veteran at a club. You do have the kind of respect. You have your own regulars. You're, you're comfortable. Um, so I definitely think there's pros and cons of like traveling versus – being stagnant (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah and I think that's the biggest thing too is like like what you're with what you're saying with stagnancy like I I think it's um more difficult to be challenged in like a club that you're very comfortable in um which I I'm an Aries and I'm like oh I really want the challenge you know what I mean so I don't know I've definitely I've wanted to branch out more here for sure Um, uh, but just haven't really gotten there yet, I guess. Mm -hmm. So as we mentioned in the introduction, you're in academia at the moment, obtaining a bachelor's degree in women and gender studies. Have you had some pushback from others in the post-secondary community? And I mean, um, I have two degrees. Riley's working on one of hers. Um, and maybe it's just in my experience, with um, a lot of swerfs in academia. Um, but a, in my experience, a group of individuals in women and gender studies would scream not sex worker allies to me. <laughs> but maybe that's just like the shitty people I've met in academia. Um, and also because I have degrees in one of them being like criminology. So <laughs> that might be an issue. But yeah, what's, what's been your experience? Has there been pushback or? Yeah, so it's it's funny that you – and that's super interesting that you did criminology um, because I think one of the first things that came to mind when you were asking that question is um, I took like a domestic violence class that was a criminal justice class. And, uh, (laughs) and it's interesting, like the rhetoric that they kind of have in those classes. And it's very like, um, I think in one of the first discussion boards or something like that, there was somebody who talked about the porn industry and how <laughs> I love to see <laughs> y'all's reactions to that too. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm about to say. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we, we're talking that we should probably start like posting the, the visuals of our conversations, yeah. like the video, because we do a lot of facials. We, yeah. we give a lot of facials. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, as soon as Ari said that, we were like, ugh, and like eye rolled. So go on. <laughs> um, yeah, so so, <laughs> so it was just that, that swerf rhetoric, basically, of like, oh, the porn industry causes like, you know, sexual violence against women and like, it's like objectification and like, blah, 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 blah you know, just all of that. And I think I immediately commented back and was like, um, this is wrong. Like, I don't necessarily know what I, what I said word for word. Um, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, you get a lot of that sort of thing. Um, and definitely, I think there's like, politely ignoring it and stuff like that a lot of the time too like I I like to be open about the fact that this is like the work that I'm in if I feel like I'm safe to do that yeah I definitely and then also on the other side of it I get people who are kind of like oh I think that's great like I had a professor who was like 
oh, that's fantastic. But then also there are, are some undertones in that sometimes where it's like, oh, like, girl boss, you go. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, I don't know if you quite, this isn't exactly the support that I would say is beneficial or productive, but cool. That's cool. Yeah, there was literally, or there is a group at my university called Porn Hurts. And it's just this support group for people who, um, support group. Support, or I don't know what it is, information group about like how, you know, uh, BDSM porn or like rough porn and stuff perpetuates this um uh, danger and, and um, you know violence against against. Why people. have like, you and I not gone to this group together? And like, I'll have you on a leash, and we just walk in. <laughs> like, why is that not a thing? I'll just wear my um, latex. Like, <laughs> but truly, I I was like walking through the hall- halls, and I made a full like heel stop turn um, back to them, and I yeah. <laughs> and I was asking about their group, and I, I said, oh, you know, can you tell me a little bit about like why porn hurts? You know, <laughs> and just that it like perpetuates um you know sexual violence against people and that you know you get numb to it so you're always seeking more and more and then the other thing was um that you know porn stars or like the woman in the video it's not consensual you don't know if it's um consensual and I sat there and I was like have you ever asked a sex worker about this and they're like oh no and I was like well maybe start there because the narrative that you know everyone is trafficked is actually more harm than good and it also pay for your porn then it's ethical you know ew talk to a sex worker those drug addicted daddy issued whore but i truly think it's one misconception that we do hear a lot about our job is that it is inherently dangerous and i'm putting air quotes around that um and we see this manifest in comments of posts especially on social media um any video or post that you know has any positive aspect about the industry there's always a couple of comments that say oh well don't forget to add the you know the danger disclaimer Mm -hmm. of like you know how it's actually and again in quotes dangerous and as we talked about on the flip side people are so quick to blame sort of sexual assault or sexual violence Um, on the industry especially you know the porn industry and stuff like that Um, so working through your degree are you able to give us some insight on why people can't seem to separate uh, sexual violence and the sex work community um well that's a loaded ass yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. it's a big one (laughs) I mean I I definitely okay so I think that people want, and this is sort of like a more like philosophical answer, I guess. I don't know, but it, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think people want like a neat answer, right? Like they want to be able to point to one reason that this exists and, um, and, you know, like it, it's just it's just that sex work is like the easy answer. Like porn is the easy answer. It's like the perfect scapegoat. And especially because people don't know the kinds of conversations around consent that happen behind closed doors when you're filming porn or whatever, for example, um, or like even like in the VIP at a strip club, right? Like 
I can't tell you the amount of times that people have been like, yeah, I feel like half my job is just like teaching people consent. You know what I mean? Um, so, and that's not, that's not to even to add to the point, you know, from those, those swerfs or whatever, who are saying that kind of thing, um, that like, oh, like (laughs) sex work is dangerous and like these environments are dangerous or the industry is dangerous. People come in already never having been a part of like this, this space or whatever with these like ideas of violence. And that's because there's like a culture of violence that exists across like every industry, right? Like it's like national or like internationally it's all over the world and um and like despite sex work right so people think that like oh if we just get rid of the sex industry oh it'll just disappear because that's what they want is like a neat answer to this and it's not that neat there's like a system there are systems of oppression that like create this culture of of violence you know um and structures that are in place and it's not as easy as saying it's sex work right so I think sorry to make that more concise I guess I think it's like a lack of education about what goes on in this industry um as far as consent and everything goes and I think that it is people wanting to put things in in boxes really yeah I think you make some excellent points and you know one thing that Danica said episodes ago now was that if sex itself or like meeting people for sex or any sort of like sexual environment was inherently dangerous, then things like Tinder, Grinder, Bumble, things that like facilitate casual sex and meeting up with strangers on the internet wouldn't be allowed. And I think that there is a misjudgment about how much vetting sex workers do for clients and it's usually a hell of a lot more than those just going home with strangers from bars um like you're not sending your friends the license plate number you're usually getting that if you're a sex worker you're not sharing your location a lot of the time so I think that there is yeah this this misconception about uh, the safety practices that sex workers actually go through to meet up and I, I again I'm talking from the privileged place of sex workers who are not on the street um, and and have the ability to pick and choose their clients. God, I'm right. so smart. <laughs> A brilliant thing I should have. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you mentioned in there kind of this um, demand and requirement of sex workers to constantly educate people and be like, no, no, there's bad things too, but it's that's just not a requirement for literally anyone else. Like you never – when girls are on TikTok talking about like the shitty Tinder dates they went on, no one's in the – at least – I mean I'm not – I don't frequent TikTok as much as you do, so you might be better at this than I am. But, I have an addiction. Uh, <laughs> and I'm old, so. <laughs> but there's no one in the in the comments being like, did you tell them about the girl who died in Australia from her Tinder date? Did you – you know, Tinder's dangerous. Why aren't you telling people this? Like why aren't you using the danger disclaimer as you said it? Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's like extremely frustrating to constantly having to like precursor everything and kind of like uh, goat gloves. What were they? What that handle that? handle things with kid gloves. Kid gloves, yeah. Um, go <laughs> go gloves. <laughs> Not wrong. We just found this saying. Oh, I was like talking about someone, and I was like, you have to handle them with kid gloves. 
And she's like, kid gloves? And she like thought it was like, like ha- a- holding a child or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, kid is- kid gloves are like a type of like goat glove, I guess. Anyways, <laughs> it was fascinating information we'll bestow on you. But yeah. yeah, I think that's another like just one more requirement they have of sex workers that they don't have for anyone else in society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so to add to that point too a little bit, like um, – <laughs> okay, so something that I like recently learned um, is – that the restaurant industry is one of the industries that has like the most um sexual violence like the most sexual assault right um yeah i had no idea but i think it makes sense anybody who's ever worked in that kind of environment before you look at kind of some of the experiences that you may have had with older um co-workers or whatever and you look at it and you're like oh that was pretty fucked up (laughs) you know what i mean um but you know, so you don't see people, to use your example, on TikTok and they're talking about their their nine to five, like, restaurant job, just, you know, talking about waiting tables or whatever. And you never see in the comments, oh, well, you need to add a disclaimer, like, you're, you're glamorizing the restaurant industry. What about all of this danger that happens in that industry? You never hear that. Like, it doesn't happen in any other um, in any other environment. And if we want to even go outside of talking about sexual violence, like I see fucking, what is it? Like, um, airplane stewardesses or whatever. Um, you know, talking about how fun their job is on TikTok. (laughs) And I think it's cute. That's great. Um, but again, like there's dangers in that kind of industry too. I'm sure. Right. Not never gets brought up. Um, even as things as dangerous as trucking, oil rigging, um, fishing, like anything like that. No one's in the comments being like, yes, you know, make sure you list, uh, a through to Z of all the dangers that you could possibly incur at your place of work. Right. (laughs) And like, and that like buzzword of glamorizing, I see it like all the time for sex worker and like sex worker TikTok, like, oh, they're glamorizing it. It's like, yeah, literally everything on TikTok is glamorizing it. Like anytime you're going to say a one side thing about anything, like even if I was a woman doing makeup, I'm like, well, I'm glamorizing being a female because I'm not talking about how much we get like sexually assaulted. Like, do I mean? Like that's just, I don't know if that made sense, but anytime you're talking about any highlight of anything, Mm -hmm. you're in quotes glamorizing it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, yeah, I think bringing up the restaurant industry as well, I am just so unsurprised by that. Oh, God, yeah. Because not only are you dealing with pretty much the same people, like everyone that goes to a strip club goes to a restaurant. Right. Um, not everyone that goes to a restaurant goes to a strip club, but everyone in a strip club has gone to a restaurant. The only difference is as a dancer, you have a lot more autonomy. You don't have to serve someone if they're being – um, rude or um, disrespectful. Um, mm-hmm. Your manager's probably not going to care if you tell them to fuck off, you know? Like, right. but, you know, as a. We do not encourage you to tell people to fuck off and lose your job. Just. Right? <laughs> no, but like, Heads you up. know, as a dancer, you have a lot more ability to to kind of say that. Whereas stand up for yourself. You're, yeah. Whereas you're in a restaurant, you kind of have to like grin and bear it because your wage typically you know is you on your section yeah. as well yeah you serve your section and it's a hu- like being kicked out of a restaurant is somehow like worse than being kicked out of a strip club you know everyone gets kicked out of a club from one point or the other yeah also not to mention the age of people working in restaurants is typically younger so people mm-hmm. don't know their you know labor rights 
which uh, lucky for right. them, they have the sex workers don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so I think that's another reason right. why it kind of breeds this um, this environment of um, like ill behavior, ill yeah. intent. But you know, right. as much as there isn't a causation factor between violence and sex work, like any job, like casual dating, restaurant service, you know, any job comes with risks. So do you have any advice for our listeners on safety practices that you have, you know, working in your job or when you're out casually dating or anything in the, in the realm of things um, that you do to make sure that you're looking out for yourself and reducing potential harm. Again, that can happen in any job um, while not sacrificing your income and telling every customer to fuck off. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I don't want to seem like I'm like an authority on this at all, you know, safety practices and stuff like that, because I think it's, it can be difficult to navigate and, this sort of thing is just stuff that I've picked up along the way, probably from other, you know, dancers or sex workers or whatever, who I have interacted with as well. So um, this is just sort of based on, I guess, my experience. Um, But I think, um, you know, you guys already touched on a lot of great ones, like all of the vetting processes and things like that. Um, But I think specifically in a strip club environment, Um, something that I have thought about a lot recently is, um, how important it is to really like take your time, um, establishing your boundaries with customers or clients. Um, I talk to friends all the time who are like, oh, well, I've known this guy for a few months and he wants to meet outside of the club or whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, that's fine, if that's something that you want to do. But I also think that there's a way to um, continue that relationship in a club environment where you know that you are safe. um, And like, continue to get to know that person before jumping into like a potentially more dangerous situation where you don't have people around to kind of back you up immediately. um so like (laughs) I I don't know like for example I have customers who I have known for I don't know a year and some change at this point who I still have not met with outside of the club environment um not that there's anything wrong with doing that sort of thing but I'm like I don't know. I don't know enough about the way that this person is going to be when they're not under the watch of like bouncers and things like that in order to, um, in order to basically be able to navigate that situation outside of the club. And also, um, I also think another thing that is, important to like watch and pay attention to is like how much money is this person investing on me um in this environment right or even if you're talking about a situation where you've met somebody online right um how much are they investing um before getting everything that they want because i think that that is like 
a good indicator of how safe you're going to be with that person. Does that make sense? So like if, um, if you are speaking to somebody and they're immediately trying to get everything, um, for the least amount, the most for the least amount, that's not a safe person to be around. You know what I mean? Um, and that like informs a lot of how they are going to be outside of a, a safer environment. Right. Um, um, if somebody is constantly trying to push your boundaries or if you've said over and over again, like, oh, well, I can't meet right now. You know what I mean? Maybe later. And every single time they're still bringing it up. That's a good indicator that they don't have a clear idea of how to respect boundaries. Right. Um, so just things like that, like paying attention to people's behaviors, um, outside of sex work, I think safety tips, I think the best safety tip is mirroring, mirroring as much of the behavior of sex workers <laughs> and the way that they handle safety as you possibly can. You know what I mean? Um, not to put all of the onus on like the, the woman or, or whatever in that, um, in those situations, it shouldn't just be up to them to like guard their safety. Um, but I do think that a lot of the time people don't, um, they don't think about what that other person is investing in them in a regular dating situation. Right. Like you're, and I don't know, maybe this sounds callous, but that is the way that I handle my real life relationships too. Like how, how much is this person investing in me? How much of their time are they willing to invest in me? How much of their resources are they willing to invest in me? Um, and how do they treat consent and like all of those things? I think it's like really important to pay attention to that in the smallest of interactions. Um, and this might sound <laughs> a little fucked up, but like there are ways to test that as well, you know, <laughs> like test, test how much uh, someone is willing to push you, right? Um, and that might be a little bit of the brat coming out in me too, where I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> test people <laughs> and see what happens. You know what I mean? I don't know. No, I, I think that you make a lot of good points with watching how people move and how they act. And again, like to throw myself under the bus, I have become a lot more careful since becoming a sex worker, not because anything happened, not because I had to be more careful, but just because I got an awareness of how to be more careful and that and the real dangers out there is because it's like constantly shoved in our faces as sex workers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I do a bit of like, I mean, like escorting, not like prostitution, but just like going out for dates and stuff. Um, and I vet my clients way more to just go out to lunch with someone. And when I was 18, 19 at a bar, which you could drink at in New Zealand, by the way, you know, a guy would buy me two drinks and I'd be like, I'm going to go home with this guy. You know? Yeah. Gin and tonic prostitute. Truly. But like, it's just, it's so clear how much more safe sex workers are when like compared to civ girls or, or, you know, anyone taking home anyone really civilians. Um, and yet they have the goal to say that what we do is dangerous. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it, 
I always have found that like super funny. Um, and especially when you get into like posting on social media or whatever about sex work, if you can't tell, I am super online, more online than I probably (laughs) would like to be or should be, but whatever. Um, I, so you get like these off the wall comments all the time that are like, oh, you don't respect yourself, like whatever. And these are the same people who are posting thirst traps for free. free. You know what I mean? (laughs) You are missing their asshole for the general public. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like what is any different about what you're doing and what somebody um, on OnlyFans is doing? You know what I mean? Except for the fact that they are making more money than they're profiting off of it. You know, they're monetizing it. Right. And they're probably doing it in a way that's a little bit smarter than you are not yeah. to sound judgy, and but the lighting like, is better, <laughs> <laughs> right? The camera <laughs> angle kills. Yeah, it looks better. So, <laughs> yeah, but truly, like everyone's out there having sex. Mm-hmm. Someone's price is just in the thousands if you're a sex worker, and if you're a civilian, it's the price of two drinks at a bar. Right. I don't know about you. I'd rather have thousands. <laughs> right. And I mean, I still need drinks yourself. Yeah. With all those Truly, you could buy four drinks and still have change. Right. So, as we mentioned in the intro, and you just mentioned yourself, you are online a lot. You found success on TikTok with over 55,000 followers, probably more by the time this comes out. And they love your content. And that includes us. I think I originally actually found you on TikTok. I think you commented on a post I did. And I was like, who is this girl? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on social media and the internet being used as tools for sex workers? Um, I remember finding your content. It just came up on my For You page on TikTok. And I was like, oh, I love this. Like, this is exactly what I want to see more of um, is like – people who are in this industry talking to each other about like about what's going on um and and like about our issues um uh and when it comes to like that on social media and stuff in general this is what I wrote um my capstone on recently um which is like a I don't know it's similar to a thesis but I guess not exactly. You guys are more, you have more experience with like the academia world than I do. So you don't take I, I, I don't. <laughs> I, my degree is in stats. I do not write. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's still super cool. Um, so um, yeah. So anyway, I, I wrote my capstone on, on the hashtag sex work is work. Right. Um, and I kind of had like a I had to do something that involved social media and like hashtags. So I was sort of limited to that. Um, but the research was around basically how like sex workers are advocating for themselves online. Um, and I, I went through, um, you know, lots of posts that were under that tag and I did interviews with um, sex workers that I know who are online and, um, kind of conduct business through online or are part of those spaces, like those sex work advocacy spaces, you know, whether they like follow the, the tag or engage with those sorts of posts or whatever. 
And um, what I ended up finding out was that a lot of people, a majority of us are using that sort of tag for um, community. So to like find community with each other. And then um, also to um, advertise their services or their content or whatever it was. Um, So it's like a huge tool in that respect. Um, But then also through my interviews and kind of through looking through those posts and everything and kind of analyzing that data, like um, you also kind of you get into the the subject of like shadow banning. Right. And like um, sex workers being deplatformed. So it's almost like looking at hashtags doesn't even work. Looking at keywords, looking at at things like that, it doesn't even scratch the surface of how people in our industry are using social media because we are being erased from those um, those spaces in a lot of ways. Um, uh, and there's more and more laws and, and regulations and things like that, that are coming in, um, all the time that are, are adding to that, that are fueling that kind of like deep platforming and stuff like that. But I think that if we are allowed to have the space, we use it for like beautiful things, like organizing events, even stuff like this, like we were able to connect with each other through social media, through like a niche corner of social media that some people probably don't even know exists, right? Like 55,000 followers or whatever, that sounds like a big number. Um, But it, when you look at how many of us are, are on that platform, like, who also are not getting numbers like that, right? Or who get numbers like that and then their accounts get banned, right? I have a, a coworker at my um, at my club who shot up to like 100,000 followers in a couple months on TikTok and then her account was banned for three months. Like, like that sort of thing um, just happening all the time. Um so it, it really, they want to limit us as much as possible um, when it comes to the way that we can connect with each other. Uh, but I also think that it can be like a really powerful tool for us um, in the way that we're, we're still exchanging information and we're still learning um, from each other harm reduction tips and things like that. You know, as much as I think it's annoying that we're expected to sort of trauma dump or... Um, or provide trauma porn online and like you guys were talking about and say like, oh, here are all of the safety disclaimers or whatever. I do think in a way, sometimes that can help people, right? Other people who are in our industry um, to to stay safe. So I think that's a big thing um, as well. I think that that's a big way that we use um, social media as well. So I don't know. I love to see it. And also I love to see us talking about our accomplishments. I don't care. I mean, I get that also there's a safety risk that's involved with like flexing your money online or whatever, but I love seeing people talk about their successes, you know, in this industry and like experience joy um, and talk about the freedom that they feel like they've gotten um, 
through this work. Um, I don't know. All of those community aspects, it just makes me feel like, I don't know. I'll get real sappy about it. It makes me feel like incredible and like it's so heartwarming and it makes me, I don't know, makes me feel great to see, to see each other doing that. And you don't always see it when you're interacting with us one-on-one, right? Like I think the walls can kind of come down a little bit more on social media too, because there's a screen there that's, (laughs) I don't know, helping you be more vulnerable or something. Definitely. I completely agree with a lot of the points. I think that social media has been really powerful. Um, We interviewed uh, Chrissy a a while ago. Yeah, Chrissy Chrissy Parker Parker a while ago. um, She made the Dancers Resource app. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah, it's really great to see how social media can bring together such an ostracized group of people. Like, you know, you said 55,000 people in the realm of things – um, that is TikTok is really not that much, but yet, you know, a bunch of sex workers, that's all their feed is. And it's just, it, it, it does create this sense of community. Um, also speaking of social media, you know, we have noticed a bit of a trend recently, especially on TikTok of, uh, sex workers kind of gatekeeping sex work from other people. Um, and there has always been this understanding of veterans having to learn things the hard way and therefore a baby stripper should also have to do the same. But are there other reasons that creators are choosing to not share the knowledge? I think so. I mean, I've definitely heard the whole like, oh, you should have to learn you should have to learn this the hard way. You know, you should have to learn this the way I did it. And like, (laughs) I mean, so the Dancer Resource app, that's a great example of something that did not exist when I started dancing. And that I'm pretty sure. And if it did, I wasn't aware of it. Um, That is like such an incredible resource for people now, right? Um, And so in some ways like that, I definitely think that I had to like, quote unquote, learn the hard way or whatever. Um, But do I wish that experience on people and like wish my mistakes on people um, and all of the ways that I was put in danger? You know what I mean? Um, No, (laughs) like just for the sake of them having to learn it the hard way. No, like I don't think that that makes any sense. Um, I understand people thinking like, oh, that might make you a stronger worker. It might make you smarter. And I do think that learning some lessons on your own, um, does like, it it puts you more in the mindset of what you're going to have to do in this industry because nobody can hold your hand, um, all the way through it. Like there's a lot that you end up having to figure out because it's so individual sometimes. Um, But I think that, like, to some – to that point, like, that's where the gatekeeping kind of comes in, I think, for some people, right? They're like, well, you're not going to be able to – you're not going to be able to turn to all of these resources all the time. Like, there are some things that you – are going to have to decide in the moment or work through mentally in the moment or emotionally or um or whatever and also i think that those people are trying to protect 
maybe some people who who might be interested in getting the, in this industry who aren't really built for it. You know what I mean? Um, um, so, and kind of are just being tourists. Like, I heard that word used recently. <laughs> um, like, sex work tourists who just want to come in and, like, try it out because they think it'll be fun or think it'll be, you know, empowering or uh, or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever positive <laughs> thing and it's going to change their lives. And I think that that can be an aspect of it. But when you go into it expecting that um, and expecting it all to be easy, you are just – you're in for a rude awakening. Um, so I support <laughs> – gatekeeping in some ways because I don't I don't want to see people come into the industry and get hurt and I also think that it is harmful to us who have already been in this industry to have those people come in and treat it like not take it seriously you know what I mean not that we all have to take ourselves seriously all the time or like take the industry seriously all the time but like don't make a joke of it. You know what I mean? This isn't just like, it's not a vacation, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As someone who's been in industry for a long time. Um, yeah, no, I am definitely a veteran dancer, did not have the handholding and the luxuries that the youngins have nowadays coming in. And yeah, maybe it is a little bit of archaic view I hold where like, I am kind of of the mindset of like, now I had to learn a lot of shit the really hard way. <laughs> so like, y'all gotta like get your like knees bruised a little bit and your like fingernails broke a little bit and you know, you gotta like throw some punches at a customer every once in a while. Like, you know, you gotta like like kick and scream and grind a little bit too um, to get to like the good stuff, to get to like the high paying nights and the, you know, and the favoritism and like the earned role. Um, so like, yeah. I mean, listen, we very much don't gatekeep. Um, we have a whole damn podcast dedicated to giving advice. Um, right. But I also think that we do it in a realm where you have to be seeking us out in order to find us. You know, you're Googling things like stripper podcast, sex work podcast, um, advice for sex workers to kind of have us a little bit more in your realm that you would um, through social media and stuff. Um, but I guess, I, I guess I'm curious as to where one would draw, draw the line of what to gatekeep and not what not to gatekeep. Like we all, as, as we talked about at the beginning of this episode, we all kind of just fell into stripping because it arised in front of us and we thought we might give that a go. So I guess like, at what point are you just trying, not you specifically, but just in general, at what point is gatekeeping trying to stop the quote unquote right person to come into the industry? And then also who is that? And then just trying to stop anyone come into the industry because it's so saturated. Um, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> um, yeah. And also not requiring like much of an answer. I just think that like, this is something that I think people who are, I, I understand gatekeeping, but I guess that uh, maybe a conversation or maybe I just don't understand where that line is drawn. 
I think like for me, because I just talked about like being like someone who's kind of like, fuck these newbies. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's like what kind of content you're gatekeeping. Like, do I need to tell new girls how to sell a champagne room and make stupid amounts of money and work smarter, not harder? No, I give that information to you because I liked you when you first met you and you were new and needed help. And I liked my girlfriend mm-hmm. Paris because she was new and needed help. But like, I don't need to give that to the general public who's just here to make a quick buck and dip. But I will offer even the quick buck people safety yeah. advice. Do you know I mean like advice? I don't want them to learn the hard way in the fact in the way where they're going to get like trigger warning, sexually assaulted, or taken advantage of, or have like lasting negative issues to deal with. But I'm not going to provide information to help you make the amount I make on your first year if that makes sense like that's where I would draw a line of like when I'm gatekeeping or when I gatekeep yeah no I totally understand that and I guess it's just like I have seen on TikTok and like other social media sites people just gatekeeping any type of information like how would you like you know even things like how would you go about even applying to a strip club like are you gatekeeping because you just don't want anyone else in the industry or are you gatekeeping because you know I, I guess like that's where I think that like sometimes on social media the line gets a little bit blurred between like saturation and safety right I think yeah I mean there's a huge lack mindset I think that comes into play where people are like oh there's finite resources there's finite amount of money in this industry and like there's a finite amount of customers, like whatever, whatever. Right. And, um, and I need that for me. So like, I'm not going to allow you to come in and like mess with my money. I don't think that that is real. And that's maybe, (laughs) maybe that's overly optimistic, but I think that like, there's always going to be more customers. Like there's always going to be more money. Right. And, um, and your skill ultimately is going to determine like if you're able to like pull that in right and you kind of can't blame it on like oversaturation all the time not that that doesn't play a role right i absolutely think that it's a valid you know um critique and concern especially when it comes to like online content for example like only fans like there was a huge boom and now a lot of that is super devalued, like content is kind of devalued at this point. Um, But I agree that when it comes to safety, that sort of thing should not be gatekept. Like, um, and I I think I know almost exactly the kind of post that you're talking about as well with um, people saying like, oh, I'm not even gonna tell you how you can audition. which I just think is funny because it's like on on one hand, I see the person's point where it's like, well, if you can't even like Google a strip club in your area and like call them and find out some of this information, then like maybe you don't have the like push for it. Um, and then on the other hand, I'm like, well, I don't think I would have known that if I didn't have friends who are like were in the industry already and um didn't tell me like oh we're gonna call this club oh we're gonna google this club and like call them and ask you know these questions right um so I mean stuff like that I don't really feel the need to gatekeep my boundaries around that are um 
are more around like when people when people ask the danger question or whatever like I'll give you some general ideas but I think to a certain extent sometimes people just want you to talk about your trauma so sometimes Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to get into that sort of thing, right? I'm going to gatekeep that information that I want to keep personal. Um, and um, so that is kind of like an interesting line to kind of <laughs> try to to set sometimes of like, okay, how much of this is necessary to, to show people what is the right way to be safe? And then how much of this is stuff that I don't feel comfortable sharing? Um and then when it comes to like what I personally do to, to keep my customers or to build my customer base or things like that, like, again, nobody's going to hold your hand. And so I think it's like one of those situations where some of those things are so personal. Like I, what works for me is not always going to work for, for you. So like I get broad general questions on social media all the time. that are like, oh, well, well, what do I need to do? to like make this this money or whatever right and Mm -hmm. I'm like that's a huge question that I can't answer for you you know um so so that's sort I don't know that's sort of my thoughts on that but I I get what you're saying too is that I think it's just it's a good question to just pose and put out there um of like where is the line yeah, and the reason why I, I brought it up actually is one of the Dancer Resources um, stories brought it up and uh, Chrissy was collecting reviews for certain clubs and for those that might not know, the Dancer's Resource app is very much for dancers and it's sort of like a Yelp for that dancers can put their reviews of clubs, things that may or may not have happened, again, like, you know, not asking people to share their explicit trauma, but just, hey, be mindful of this manager, he's kind of a dick, or, you know, this club wasn't really respectful to X, Y, and Z type of girls. Um, and someone replied to that story being like, I, you know, she she posted, I think, um, if you haven't reviewed a club yet, let me know why. And someone said, um, was basically gatekeeping information being like, no, I had to learn this the hard way. Like you should too, or I don't want to share that. And I kind of thought you, you are already in a community. All of us are sex workers already, probably at least the majority of us. And now you're like gatekeeping safety. Like, yeah, I don't know. So I just thought it was maybe an interesting subject to like, for people just to ask themselves, why are they gatekeeping? And, Mm -hmm. you know, as you said, you know, I think everyone got into the industry in some way or another and asked a couple questions like, is is that so wrong, you know, for those people really gatekeeping how to audition? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, anyway, that's their round. <laughs> um, but, you know, thanks to the, the media, both social and other, I think most sex workers have seen an increase of appropriation of our jobs. And we see this in those that do poll but could never be a stripper. We see this in film and television, and we see this in the aesthetics of civilian women. Um, and unfortunately, these are usually the same women who demonize our work or exploit it. I'm looking specifically at JLo at the Super Bowl doing pole dancing you know, things, um, closing down a strip club, not paying the strippers to, you know, not have a place to work while she filmed Hustlers and made probably millions off that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I I do find this pattern, I think a lot of us do, of squares 
love to talk about how our joy our job is so exploitative like as you said you know oh you don't uh respect yourself you're exploiting your body um while being the ones to kind of lead that march so are you able to give us maybe some insight uh about the real exploitation of sex work that you've learned from your degree or just personal experience and some advice on how to navigate that conversation that may be actual beneficial to the community um well so everything that you're sort of talking about like like sex work coming up in media um hustlers is a fantastic example of that where um j-lo oh, yeah, my feelings about this one <laughs> yes yeah j-lo exploited the story of sex workers she she took on their story that was like um you know full of uh, probably a lot of like pain and difficulty and things like that um and turned a huge profit off of it right and also didn't really portray what like an accurate picture of what this industry is like <laughs> like what you want to talk about glamorization is? yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about yeah. not being a good pole dancer at all <laughs> oh, <God. Yeah. laughs> it's painful it's so painful to point your fucking toes oh it's atrocious <laughs> point your toes and also like you need somebody to hold you up while you do a pole sit like that was the funniest truly thing oh, my so god. cringe <laughs> during the super bowl everybody's like oh my god like she she killed it she slayed so talented like, like Y'all have never been to a strip club then. That is the bare fucking minimum. <laughs> exactly. Mm, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but um, oh my god, yeah. Like that's a great example. I think also you look at like um, recently that story um, Zola that came out um, is like a pretty good example because <laughs> I mean. A24 they I think that's what or AP24 I think that's what they're called they did a good job I think at um um portraying that story like as close to the narrative as they could um the narrative that they were given but again that's somebody's story that they have now taken and made a profit off of um and who knows how much of that is getting kicked back to the the people who are actually involved in that story um, um, and going back to what we were talking about with swerfs and, and things like that, I think you, you get a lot of swerfs who are like, oh, there's this one person that I have as my like token sex worker who will agree with all of this narrative that I'm pushing that like, um, this industry is inherently predatory and it like you know etc etc right um they're exploiting those stories too right this is a person if you think about that token sex worker right in that situation this is a person who is in a vulnerable position they are struggling with like maybe being in this industry or having been in this industry or whatever um and now they're being there's I don't know their story is being used to push it an agenda that like um acts against us right and it acts against our safety so I think that's where our our actual exploitation comes in um 
Yeah. Yeah, that and yeah, I really we, – we discussed, you know, talking about this interview in the first place, the aesthetic thing really gets me as well as like seeing – kind of club clothes in fast fashion now. Pleasers on sheen. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it's stuff like that that goes back to the whole like tourism thing. You know what I mean? People want to try on the aesthetic. They want to like pretend almost like they are this like this thing. Um so that they can gain whatever like ego based thing that they're trying to get out of it um without ever without even speaking to us you know what i mean and then if we and then if we are to bring up like oh what you're doing is kind of a problem it's immediately like oh what do you mean you know what i mean and that that also never happens you never get that reaction when it comes to any other like marginalized group right um like if if someone were to call out someone for like cultural appropriation or whatever and i'm not trying to say that those these two are equal right Mm -hmm. Um, but i do think that there's a level of like appropriating sex worker or stripper culture or aesthetics or whatever um that comes into play with these things if you were to call somebody out on that they most of the time we've reached a point now where that person is not going to be like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Usually it's followed by like a notes app apology <laughs> or whatever at that point. it's Or it's followed by some level of like self-reflection. It's not immediately like, oh, what are you talking about? And you're gatekeeping, gatekeeping, you know? Yeah. Um, I actually so- just remembered a story that happened to us at the club that just so clearly encompasses like – people trying to tour in our in our lives without any of the like stigma attached to it um we were dancing and my girlfriend was on stage and yeah (laughs) I remember and uh there was she was with a guy at the at front row and uh my girlfriend was dancing on stage she's killing it you know and then she just hears this girl say oh I can dance so much better than that not here she went up to the stage and yelled it at her she, well, she yelled it to the guy at in but like her to row. make sure yeah. she heard, yeah. And uh, my girlfriend turned around and was like, "Well, why don't you get up here and do it then?" Um, and she said, "Oh, I don't know if she said she like, said, oh, I'm, I'm not, not a whore." whore. Um, and, and yeah, because you're with this guy for free, you fucking yeah. loser. But then next, she gets off stage. She like doesn't let it, you know, it doesn't doesn't let it affect her. But next thing I see, like across the fucking bar, is this girl like bent over a table, grinding on this guy's fucking junk and- for free. And you have the audacity to like be dancing like uh, a whore for free in our club, but, like. But- we can attest she actually was not a good dancer. Yeah, she did not. We, win- we witnessed and she was not good. But yeah, it's just the like, you want to come in here and you see it all the time with women who like, Ugh. there are so many types of women that come into the club and so few of them are good. Um, but you truly see the girls in Perv Row taking their tops off, wanting to get up on stage, wanting to have their quote unquote 15 mm-hmm. minutes of the stripper life. Um and they're the ones that are like, I would never do that. I respect myself too much. And my boyfriend doesn't want to get a fucking dance from you, <laughs> you fucking whore. I'm the cool girlfriend. That's why I came to so watch like, my boyfriend. It's <laughs> truly like that on a projected scale. Like everyone does pole dancing, but 
you know, God forbid they start taking their clothes off and profiting from it, you know. Well, and it's it, truly coined the term, like, yes, a stripper. Like, like yes, AM, I'm a stripper. AM yeah. Davies, shout out to her and her podcast, yeah. um, Yes, a Stripper, because that's exactly where it came from, was she was sick of people being like, I'm not a stripper. So she, like, proudly was like, yes, a stripper. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the audacity and the level of insecurity women show – when they come into the strip club is yeah, embarrassing. <laughs> so embarrassing. Yeah. So... It's so funny that you – sorry um, to interrupt, but it's so funny that you bring that up because I think that uh, one of my stage wife, she's had almost the exact experience. Like <laughs> she does crazy contortion. If you guys know Spin and Shay. Yes. Yeah. She, I, think she's on, I think she's on my uh, podcast page. I remember that name coming up a lot. Oh my god! So that's cool. Um, so <laughs> well, we're everywhere. <laughs> um, well, so she does stuff that's similar to that, right? Like legs behind the head, walking on the butt cheeks, like that kind of thing. Crazy splits, like just very, very cool. It takes a lot of practice, a lot of skill, and she had this girl <laughs> who, again, right at we have a tip rail. Um, at this club right at the tip reel right at the stage saying it as loud as possible oh I could do that no the fuck you couldn't for one (laughs) and I will see you in the hospital I'll send flowers my girl (laughs) exactly like please I'd love to see it I'd love to see it and we went up and told our DJ and he was like um he announced on the thing he was like we have amateur night every First Wednesday of the month for anybody who thinks that they could do this. Oh my god, <laughs> um, love! I also fantastic. just want to know if she like. I also just want to know if she like goes to a bar and like while the bartender's making her drink, be like, "I can fucking do that. I can make that fucking drink." Like, no, you fucking don't say that at the bar. So don't say it at the strip club, you weirdo. <laughs> you douche canoe. I have no chill with fucking women in the club, like at all. Yeah, yeah. I love women, I but mean, stay in your lane. Right. Truly. <laughs> Truly. No, exactly. So funny, but um, it's definitely insecurity for sure. A thousand Does- percent. Yeah. There's this saying where it's like confidence is quiet, insecurity is loud. And like when people are like running their mouth like that, it's like you're just showing your insecurity, like loud right. and fucking clear. It's like right. those girls that come up to the club and try to like fight with you over me. Oh my god, <laughs> insecure bitches. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like the insecurity thing is funny, and it's also like um, those are the same people who will be like, "Oh, girls supporting girls," you know? Oh, oh, percent. Oh my god, <laughs> a thousand. Pick percent. one, like right, Lord. exactly. <laughs> we don't count. We don't count. I guess. No, not 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 these whores. Yeah. Don't support them. So, on a happier note, self care. <laughs> yeah. What to do after a long after day of dealing with those women? women yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, self care is something we've talked about at length on the podcast because I think it is extremely important in you know in general, but especially in our industry. Uh, what are your thoughts on the crossover between spirituality, psychology, and other methods of healing with regards to sex work? Um, I, well, I love this. (laughs) First of all, I love like 
talking about this and I I love that you guys framed it as like self-care too because I think that it is hugely self-care like you can do all of the physical things all day long where you are like you know doing face masks and like um like for us that kind of thing can almost seem like a part-time job in and of itself like with all of the maintenance that we kind of have to keep up with physically um so it almost loses its value as self-care at that point point um going to get your nails done or going to get a facial or whatever is no longer self-care right Mm -hmm. um and I think taking care of yourself spiritually um is one of those things (laughs) um Sorry. That was cute. Danica's dog is like clawing at her back trying to get a good stretch. He's really trying to get attention. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Please help me. Um, well, yeah, so, um, you know, but I think it's like awesome also because this is one of those industries where spirituality is so much on the forefront all the time. Um, and like to the point where there's like memes about the veteran stripper in the corner, like doing, you know, a a ritual or whatever, like casting a spell. (laughs) Um, Because I think that that's something that's so true. Like, like you have people who've been in this industry for long enough that they know that I need to take care of myself um, spiritually. And like, this is the practice that I'm going to do that's going to make me feel ready for my shift. Or this is the practice that I'm going to do that's going to, like, help me make money. Um, um, but then also, like, when it comes to psychology and things like that, that's so important for our job. And, um, and you know, knowing how to read people and stuff like that. Also having a certain level of self-awareness and being able to kind of psychoanalyze yourself and look at, like, what you're doing um, – in this work and come to terms with it to a certain degree. I think that that is uh, just super important Um, because I don't know, at least for me, I think when I first started, I did sort of struggle with the idea of like profiting off of these services or like I had the, the kind of wrong mindset, I think of like, Oh, I'm, I'm using my body or whatever. I'm selling my body, which I don't think that way at all anymore. But kind of trying to <laughs> trying to um <laughs> sorry. He's inching closer, and closer. I know I just have like Bentley like in my air right now. <laughs> sorry, Bentley's just like making his moves, trying to like get attention because he's been ignored for, you know, twenty minutes. <laughs> he can't handle it. Same. <laughs> I feel him. <laughs> Absolutely. Relatable. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, so I don't know, just like knowing yourself and knowing what it what you need to do in order to take care of yourself like psychologically and it not just being about like reading people all the time, like knowing that like your own healing is going to have to come into play a lot of the time. And like, um, especially when there's all the stuff that we've been talking about this whole time, you know, like nobody outside of this industry kind of supporting in a real way, in a material way, um, what we do um being able to give yourself that support and understand what you need to do to 
be okay in your, you know, in your physical body, in your mental body, in your spiritual body. Um, I, I don't know. I just think that that is super important. Do you see a lot of that crossover? I, I think it's um, it's a really important thing you just said about how like because all this like grooming stuff, it's kind of almost a requirement of our job. It becomes like more of a task than like a self-care thing. I've definitely mm-hmm. felt that like I – it sounds terrible, but like I hate going to get my nails done. Like I hate the two hours it takes to get a pedicure and my nails. Like that sounds so like bougie and like cunty of me, but it's like – Ugh, if I wasn't in this industry, I probably wouldn't do them anymore and I wouldn't do my lashes anymore and I wouldn't dye my hair. Like, I mean, like, there's so many things I wouldn't have to, like, waste time doing on the upkeep because mm-hmm. it doesn't, like, it doesn't, like, make me happy when I get my nails done. It's literally just, like, a yeah, a task to do for work so I look the best to make the most money to right. afford the nails to afford it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's funny how that, that like, kind of, like, catch-22 of it all. Um, but – just before we jump into the last question here, uh, what are kind of like your um, your own like self-care things that you do? Um, so I like for a lot – like a lot of my life have um, been really like into um, like psychology and, and stuff like that. Um like mental illness runs in my family. So it almost was kind of one of those things where you, you need to, I needed to uh, have an understanding of some of those things. Um, And so a big thing for me is like understanding what specifically works for me um, therapeutically and also keeping a separation between um, those things and work and kind of like being able to compartmentalize. So like for when I first started pole dancing, for example, I was like, I love this as a creative expression. I love this for, um, my, um, I don't know for like in a like cathartic way. Right. But the more that you do it and work, the less cathartic it becomes, right? It's like, oh, I need to be mindful of how this is going to look on stage. I need to know, like, that this is engaging with the people around me and whatever, right? And so, like, kind of separating that for me and even just when it comes to, um, like, I don't know, like, I'm going to do a session that's of pole that's, like, just to practice for work. And I'm going to do a session that is just for me um, and I'm not going to worry about the way that it looks and I'm going to like um, use this for emotional um, reasons and emotional expression. Um, um, having that separation also like financial self-care <laughs> I think is a, a big one knowing how to like deal with your finances. That's a boring one and it can feel like a lot of work, but when you put in the work on the forefront, um, it's so much less stress later on. And then that kind of leads into another aspect of self-care where it's like, okay, I'm set up. So if I want to take a break from work for a little while, I know that I can afford to do that. Um, because I have like saved this amount of money for the last, you know, however long. 
Um, Cause I think, and, and also like having the freedom and the flexibility to do that is a huge privilege. And I, uh, it's one of the things that I love about this work. Um, um, and I also think it's so necessary <laughs> because I would not, I would not be able to cope if I didn't take some time off every once in a while. Right. And like gave myself the permission to do that too. Cause I think that there's a lot of people who, I, I mean, I have friends who are like every week, like three times, four times, five times a week, right? They're in the club, whatever, and never take any time off. And I understand that that is necessary sometimes. And also, um, it, it can be so difficult and you'll get burnt out so fast. Um, so that's a big one for me personally. No, definitely. Those are those are really good ones for sure. I was very guilty, especially last year, of just like working non-fucking-stop. Anytime I took a night off, I felt so guilty. I had to like message Riley and be like, I'm allowed to take tonight off, right? Like, And then I'd have to like justify it to her why I was taking a night off. It was bad. Mm-hmm. Th- this year, I've been traveling. <laughs> I didn't give no fucks, but I got I to gotta eventually get my ass to work. Um, so <laughs> we, before we get into our rapid-fire questions, I have one question more for you here. Something we get asked a lot by squares or non-sex workers is how are the other girls? Are they catty? Are you all friends, et cetera? What has been your experience with other sex workers? Have you found there's a sense of community among one another or? Um, so like I have a TikTok about that question specifically, actually. <laughs> Somebody asked like, oh, the girl's catty. And like when I first started stripping, I definitely like ran into that. I think you run into that no matter where you are. You know what I mean? There's always going to be some level of that. And I don't want to say that to sound like a bad feminist or whatever, right? But I think it just is the nature of like um, being a woman or being woman aligned because even your gender identity doesn't always matter in those circumstances. If you're perceived a certain way, you're going to get treated a certain way. Um, so like, yeah, it exists, but then also like, I, I've felt more of a community and like more closeness, um, and like platonic love in this, um, industry than I have (laughs) in other (laughs) industries. Um, (laughs) um, I love that little look that you guys just exchanged also. (laughs) Um, I was like, I was like, it's platonic. Let it go. <laughs> Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> just like, I yeah. literally said nothing. <laughs> I can feel the love. <laughs> Get away from huh. me. Yeah, platonic and maybe more than platonic. Sometimes, okay, we <laughs> we um. <laughs> into it okay <laughs> she wants to think that everyone loves her and if that's how you get to validation don't then <laughs> i don't think that <laughs> oh my god yeah but i mean you you guys get what i'm saying like the love is there for sure um and the support is there and um in a way that like i haven't experienced in other places for sure <laughs> um um yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think like, yes, bitches be catty everywhere. Fuck me so much so. Um, full stop period. 
But I also think like when you're a marginalized group, you tend to come together because the outside world hates you so much that you you kind of band together more. And I think that's like that kind of cohesion and that kind of like community happens. Um, oh God, it's yeah. like it's like a nice a, a silver lining from like the stigma and bullshit that we deal with from the outside world. Or at least that's kind of what my theory is about why we can kind of can come together as a community. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think it makes us more educated about marginalization in other ways too, because like you hear more conversations about like racism and like classism and ableism and all, all of that. Yeah. All the isms. (laughs) Um, All of that in like our environment and in our like organizing circles and stuff like that (laughs) than, than any other like place. You know what I mean? We're talking about it a lot more. Um, so I think that's cool too. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So before we let you go, Aries, we have three rapid fire questions we ask all the guests. So the first one is, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet, but you want to try? Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay. Oh, my God. Did I get out here shooting her fucking shot? <laughs> is it me, Aries? <laughs> This one's difficult (laughs) because I feel like I've made it my mission to like get through my my sexual bucket list. Um, (laughs) but I've never done DP, which is like I don't know, (laughs) one of those that maybe doesn't even seem that extreme to some people, but that's one of those things that I definitely want to try at some point. Are you wanting like people attached to it? Uh oh well okay yes I've done DP with people not attached to it. Does that make sense? Yes, you've done yes. DP with toys, <laughs> but you want humans attached to it. Got it. <laughs> the next one here. What is one thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again? Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> uh straight girls maybe not straight straight if they're like (laughs) if we're having a sexual experience but um girls who are like I've never been with a girl before or like I've never been with whatever you know uh I'm not yeah I'm not doing that anymore I'm not being anybody's experiment anymore (laughs) oh my god fair uh fair uh a friend of <laughs> you yelling at me? Fair. <laughs> I don't aggressively said that towards you. <laughs> um, my, uh, like, a friend of mine and a fellow bisexual, she and her, you know, curious straight friend hooked up. They had sex. And then the next morning she said, uh, oh, yeah, I don't really think I'm into girls. Wow, that girl turned would, her the opposite yeah. way. <laughs> turned but her like, straight. What a terrible thing to say to someone that you just had sex with. I was like, actually, mm, yeah. Yeah, imagine a fucking guy and then be like, actually, I think I just like girls. <laughs> I don't like dick no more. <laughs> you ruined it. You ruined, you ruined you all the dick. Ruined it for you ruined all the dick. All the dicks ruined anyways, let's be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah. thank you all for right. your services. It's, I've had enough. Goodbye. <laughs> yes. Exit, like change to, left. I would thank like you. to cancel my subscription to this, actually. <laughs> Can I get it? Actually, a refund too. <laughs> Call support line. Uh, and your last one here. 
If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? <laughs> um, respect other people um, enough to listen to them and like actually hear them. I think, I don't know. That's a, that's a big one. That's <laughs> a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, it really blindsides people. Yeah. <laughs> I had to listen. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that would be the one. Awesome. Aries, before we let you go, where can people find you? Um, I am on Instagram, TikTok, um, Aries underscore BB, I think, on on Instagram and then TikTok, I believe it's the same. Um, the E's of three or? Yes, with a three. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't smoke you or anything. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, why are you so obsessed with her? Jeez. <laughs> um, I will link them in all the things so people can easily access you. Thank you so much for joining us, Aries. It's been an absolute pleasure. I was a fan of you on TikTok, and now I'm a fan of you in person. You lived up to everything I'd hope you'd be. So thank you. <laughs> we had high expectations for you, and it's a good thing you met them. <laughs> you weren't a complete disappointment. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you so much for connecting with us and giving us the time and sharing your experiences with us. It was a complete pleasure. Well, thank you guys too. I really like appreciate the opportunity and it was so cool to like have you guys reach out. Um, and I also was like obviously a fan <laughs> of the podcast as well or like what I've seen of it. Um, um, so very cool <laughs> and I really appreciate it. And also it's like awesome to talk to people who probably have like much more experience in this than I do and like great ex great experience and like knowledge that they can share too so it's just awesome I okay i feel like you're really welcome. old now but okay <laughs> you're welcome for our wisdom bestow our wisdom on you <laughs> our old asses <laughs> oh no no not that at all it's it it is just wisdom you know what i mean <laughs> wisdom and youth um <laughs> So as always, you can find me on Instagram at 50plusatip or email at 50plusatip at gmail.com. Slide into the DMs with any questions, comments, all the compliments. We love getting them. Thank you so much for joining us, Aries. Thank you. Have a wonderful week and happy whoring. Bye. 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 <laughs>